We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media in partnership with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver, and with me, as always, Justin Mello. Justin, what is going on? Well, the world of technology is an amazing thing because as you listen to this right now or you watch this on the newly launched YouTube channel, which you should be subscribed to, uh, I'm not here. I'm on vacation. We're recording this a couple days early. I'm on vacation. Uh, do not bother me. Phone is on. Do not disturb <laughs> as I recharge the batteries and get ready for another long, long football season. It's actually my first of two vacations I'm taking this summer. Can't tell you how excited I am about that. I'm in the middle of one of them right now. I hope it's going well. Yeah, I hope it's going well for you too, Justin, because uh, while you sit on a beach somewhere, we are going to talk about the AFC South 2023 season preview. We're going to go through the four teams, how they're looking, what their outlook is for this season. And at the end, we're going to predict how the standings are going to shake out. And uh, this one's for all AFC South fans. We are Titans podcast, but if you're joining from, you know, another fandom, we welcome you to the show. Hope you enjoy it. We're going to kick things off here talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars who won the AFC South last year, had a historic playoff come from behind win against the Chargers in the first round last year, and have a pretty bright future. If you are a Jags fan, you got to be excited about what you're seeing from this team so far. And I think it all starts with Trevor Lawrence. You know, Doug Peterson came in a year ago and totally remade this team. Trevor Lawrence now entering his second year in Peterson's offense. He was a much different quarterback last year than he was as a rookie. And on top of that, the Jags get to add Calvin Ridley to the offensive mix. What is the ceiling for the Jags offense this season? Well, I do think you have to consider them division favorites. Uh, the offense, the, the ceiling for the offense is, is, is high, right? You, you, can, you figure Trevor Lawrence, as you said, is going to take another step forward in year two of the Doug Peterson area. I thought he looked pretty damn good last year. Expect he's going to look good again. Uh, you've got some real talented running backs in Travis Etienne. You add Calvin Ridley to a receiving core that already had Christian Kirk and a couple others. They they held on to Evan Ingram right at, at tight end. Uh, yeah, there's some questions on o, at the O line. Oh, the left tackle got suspended right. I think for the first six games. So they drafted Anton Harrison in the first round. That'll be big. They lost Jawan Taylor at right tackle. I assume it's going to be. I don't. I should have pulled up a depth chart, but I assume Walker Little will be the new starting right tackle for them while Anton Harrison uh, is the left tackle. There are some questions there, but ultimately, I think this will be a pretty good offense. I'll say this, especially in the AFC South, I'll be stunned if it's not the best offense in the division. Yeah, you're right. Looking at the depth chart here, Walker Little is listed as the right tackle right now. So we'll see if it's Harrison thrown into the fire to replace Cam Robinson to start the year. That could be tough for a rookie, but all reports out of you know offseason programs so far have been that he has been impressive. And I agree, this is likely your top offense in the AFC South. I mean, looking across the division, the Titans have tons of question marks at the skill position, at uh, offensive line, and then the other two AFC South teams are starting rookie quarterbacks, so we really have no way to know how good or bad those teams are going to be. The Jags are the reigning division champions. I think you said they got to be favorites. Well, they are favorites. If you look at the uh, the sports books out there, 
it's not the same odds at, at, on all of them, but the, the Jags are heavy favorites in just about every sports book. Minus 160, minus 170, minus 164 to win the division with the Titans next in line, plus 380 or plus 350, depending where you look. And then the Colts at plus 500 to plus 550 and the Texans bringing up the rear plus 800. As, as You can get as long of odds as plus 950 on Caesar Sportsbook if you're high on the Texans to win the division this year. Um but yeah, I think, you know, this Jags team has what it takes to go back to back in terms of division championships. The question to me is, will we see any regression? Trevor Lawrence took a big step forward last year, but he also had a lot of moments where he left a little bit to be desired. And some of his, you know, he would get hot in games and he would get go cold. He was a pretty streaky player overall, especially down the stretch. So can he find the consistency take that next step and become one of the AFC's elite quarterbacks in a conference that is crowded with elite quarterback talent. I think that's the biggest question for the Jags. In addition to their defense, you know, we talk a lot about the Jags offense, but can their defense hold up? They were phenomenal in the second half of that Chargers playoff game, but also how much blame goes on Brandon Staley for, you know, the amount of uh, the play call, the conservative nature of the play calling down the stretch for the Jags or for the Chargers? How much credit do you give the Jags defense for that? I think you have to give them some. But there are questions, you know, some guys departed in free agency. They're relying on some young cornerbacks to, you know, step up and, st- and either be good or stay good or stay healthy. So um, there are question marks, but I think they are the division favorites. You're probably going to cut me off, but I do want to make a couple quick points about the defense because I like that you said that. Uh, there is a lot of question marks for me. They lost Arden Key in free agency, obviously, goes over to the Titans. He was a bit of a part-time player, but he was a, a big-time contributor for them. Does Trayvon Walker take that next step, right? Because right? left some to be desired as a rookie. For me, it was sort of as anticipated. They, they, they gambled on the ceiling. We knew he was coming in raw, was never going to light the world on fire in year one. Well, now it's year two. The expectations sort of shift. You expect him to have that year under his belt. They want him to partner up with Josh Allen and, and, and form this fearsome pass rushing duo. Can he do it? That remains to be seen. Another rookie from last year, the linebacker, Devin Lloyd, I thought started really well, but tailed off towards the end of the year. I don't think he played as well as, as the year uh, reached its conclusion. Can he become more consistent and have a good year? And then corner for me, you, you kind of brought it up quickly. Uh, it's a sore spot, in my opinion, on this team. They had a top, sorry, they had a bottom 10 passing defense last year. When it when it came to uh, you know yards per uh, per game they allowed through the air uh, and they didn't address it at all in the offseason. I mean you like some of what they have. I, I do really like Tyson Campbell. Yeah, he's a good player. Darius Williams is okay. You know I think he's a, a starting caliber corner, but he's sort of league average. Then you've got Trey Herndon, probably I believe is in the nickel for them. Uh, again, okay. I, the biggest issue to me with this group is a lack of depth. Once you get past those three and options two and three are, you know, just, you know, it's okay. Um, really a lack of depth when you get to that corner four, five, and six spot. So that's a big question for me. I was surprised they didn't sign a single corner in unrestricted free agency. And then they didn't draft one, I think, until the sixth or seventh round. They added a, a few others uh, through undrafted free agency. But for the most part, I think this is probably the sore spot of the defense. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's where you're looking for potential weaknesses. They did sign Roy Robertson Harris to beef up the defensive line. So he, he's a pretty underrated player. We know Mike Hern- and is a huge fan of Roy Robertson Harris talked him up when he was a free agent so the Jags had a pretty good signing there but you know otherwise fairly quiet in free agency this year after being you know the top spender of free agency the year before that um so we'll see how it shakes out for the Jags but yeah their season is looking I would say I if I was a Jags fan cautiously optimistic 
that this team can yeah. take another step forward. But being aware that there are some weak spots and that Trevor Lawrence himself really has to find the consistency if they want to be a Super Bowl contending team as early as this season. Let's talk about the team that finished second place in the AFC South last year, the Tennessee Titans, who, you know, a lot of people speculated that this was going to be a big offseason of rebuilding and tearing it down. And Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry been, you know, rumored to be on the trade block. Kevin Byers been asked to take a pay cut, but they got the, the new contract done with Jeffrey Simmons, a cornerstone piece, Byard back at OTAs. Tannehill, Henry still on the roster, and now there's buzz that potentially they could add DeAndre Hopkins. This Titans team has a lot of question marks. The depth is, you know, one of the biggest weaknesses on this roster, especially looking at the injury history the last couple seasons. But there are there is a, a path for this team if every single little thing broke right that they could win this division as well. So, you know, if I was a betting man, which I am, but if I was a real betting man. Um, I look at the Titans' odds, plus 350, plus 380 in some books to win this division. That's a pretty great value, you know, almost 4-1 to one for a team that was, a, what, a, a fumbled, you know, a, a incomplete pass ruled fumble last season away from winning the division with all the injuries, with everything that went wrong for the them. With a backup quarterback. And with, yeah, freaking Josh Dobbs playing quarterback. So can this team find consistency? Can they find, <clears throat> excuse me, can this team find consistency? Can they find the health? that they might need to to win this division. If Traylon Burks takes the step forward that, you know, all the OTA buzz has around him, if Chigaquanko becomes one of the top five to eight tight ends in the league, if the defense, if the, the secondary can stay healthy, if Harold Landry comes back and looks like himself, if they can get that pass rush going again the way it looked in the 2021 playoff game against the Bengals that they lost, if one of these two kickers that they brought in as a UDFA won last year, won this year, <laughs> emerges as a reliable option that would give me a lot more confidence in this team's ability to win close games which you you know is obviously a huge factor and we cannot underrate what Mike Vrabel brings as a steadying force as a, a one of the better head coaches in this league you know coming off a coach of the year award 2 years ago um he's going to always get more out of this team than what you see on paper so if they can't add DeAndre Hopkins i think if you can bet on the Titans to win the division now, now's the time to do it. Because once Hopkins signs that deal, those odds are, are not going to be as favorable as they are right now. <laughs> I, I I agree that I think they're easily the second best team in the division, right? And and because I don't consider the Jags, and I, I don't mean no disrespect by this, I, I don't see them as a 12, 13 win football team. I think they're comfortably a nine or 10 football a win football team, maybe 11, mm-hmm. you know, if things go well, but I don't think they're ready to win 12 games, 13 games yet. So anytime they're going to win nine, 10 games, um, I like the Titans to be in that mix to also win nine, 10 games. Right. So if, if things, you know, go right. So there is the potential there for them to compete for this division title. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if it comes down to the wire, I think one underrated aspect we haven't discussed enough about on this show is how much of that is going to depend on some of the new faces, right? Right. I, I think a lot of these questions will be answered by how Rand Carthon's decisions this offseason, how his acquisitions figure into their plans. Like number one, we talk about all the time how bad the O-line was. Well, can Andre Dillard, Peter Skaronsky, and Daniel Brunskill, can they stabilize that offensive line? That's three new starters up front, right? Obviously more than 50% of your starters. So can they stabilize that? And then of course you could talk about Aaron Brewer and, and, and Nicholas Petit Friere taking the next step. But if I'm sticking with acquisitions, I look at Arden Key, who I was very excited about them signing. And then as, as you know, as I continue doing more and more homework, 
the impression I get is they're really counting on him, I think, to play more snaps than he's played as of late. Right. Like when he was playing well in Jacksonville last year, and there's always rotation, but they were really rotating him in and out of the lineup, really as a part-time, you know, rotational guy. Two years ago, he had that career year in San Francisco when Rand Carthon was there as, uh, was it, I guess, pro personnel, I think it was. Um, the stable of edge rushers they've had in San Francisco, right. they've been able to rotate guys in and out for years now. That might not be the case here in Tennessee, right? This might, and, and look, they signed him to a three-year, $21 million deal. This might be an opportunity for him to be like an every-down guy, right? You got Harold Landry coming back off the ACL, and then it's Rashad Weaver, who hasn't proven to be a, a full-time guy. Do they play Dina Coatre out there? You, you know, they, they'd like to keep him inside when they can, right? When those guys are healthy. Played outside more frequently last year because Harold Landry wasn't healthy. Right. But if those guys can play... Um, you factor in Autry and playing next to Simmons, Arden Key's going to get a lot of snaps on the outside. So can he take advantage of that role? And I'll, 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 I'll sum up here. Uh, Aziz El Shire, another one, right? What does he give them at inside linebacker as they lost David Long Jr.? He's probably their number one inside guy now, right? And, and cut ties with Zach Cunningham as well. So him starting next to probably Monty Rice. You got Jack Gibbons, Chance Campbell also in the mix. A couple of new signings as well. Uh, Gifford from the Cowboys. Uh, but again, goes back to these acquisitions. What does Ezekiel Shire give them? Is he going to wear the green dot? Does he call the defense? He seems like a, a leader in the locker room already from everything we've heard at Great. OTAs. But don't forget about Sean Murphy Bunting as well. Yes. Someone who can really bring a presence to that cornerback room with a lot of young guys who have talent, but big time issues staying healthy he's gonna be you know even if he's your quote-unquote nickel i think he's the guy that plays outside in two cornerback base formations slides inside for the nickel formations and he's gonna be the leader of that room even if he's more seen as a nickel corner not necessarily like a number one cornerback with christian fulton still dealing with soft tissue stuff not out there at otas elijah molden working now it seems like he's working at safety now caleb farley coming back from a back procedure trey avery is a guy who was a udfa last year so how much can you count on him? I think we're going to, you know, the Titans are going to need big time play from Sean Murphy bunting yeah. as well. Can I, can I talk about quickly how impressive he's been at OTAs and camp and with the leadership role he's taken on, they talked about how he stayed after practice to take Trey Avery under his wing and get some extra reps in. It feels like him and his Esau Shire and Bruns. Honestly, the more I think about all of them, Arden key Brunskill, uh, El Shire. Every time I've seen these Murphy bunting, every time I've seen all four of them speak, I've been very impressed with their personality, infectious amount of leadership, energy they're bringing to the table. Uh, some really good culture signings, I think, by Rand Carthon this offseason. Absolutely. So that is where the Titans stand. They have, I think, maybe the wider, widest range of outcomes of anyone in this division. It could yes, be another disaster year like last year, or they could you know, find some consistency and some health and win 11 games if everything broke right. Uh, let's talk about the team that finished third in the AFC South last year, the Indianapolis Colts, who have a lot of new faces, especially the, the quarterback position, taking Anthony Richardson, number four overall in the draft. And all reports out of minicamp are that he has looked to the part. We also saw a report that he struggled one day and threw a couple would-be interceptions that were dropped and didn't complete that many passes in a team period, but... It's we're all, you know, they're out there in helmets and shorts. It's hard to get a great read on, you know, how he's going to react to a live rush. But I was really high on this kid coming out of the draft. I think the Colts got a good one. We'll see how quickly he can acclimate to the NFL with, you know, probably the fewest amount of game experience of all the quarterbacks in this draft at the college level. So will he be able to quickly become a, a solid starter? 
the Colts' entire season depends on how well he can play right off the bat. It does, right? Because I do expect he's going to start week one. They do got a veteran option in Gardner Minshew if they decide to go that route and bring Richardson along slowly. But I do get the impression he's going to start. You know, decent supporting cast for sure. Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman. They've added some receivers over these last couple of drafts. Alec Pierce, they just drafted Josh Downs, who was a pre-draft favorite of mine. You expect, you know, Jelani Woods to take a step at tight end. Still a very good offensive line, although you do have questions, I think, a big question at left tackle, a huge question, really. Uh, but you like what some of the other guys bring to the table, Braden Smith, Quentin Nelson, of course, so some some good stability there. Um, where I struggle with this team right now, to be honest with you, and uh, not to say, it, it, you know, we could debate how much it could derail them, but I look at this cornerback position, and I can't believe my eyes. I mean, <laughs> I, I thought they entered the offseason needing another corner. Then they traded Stephon Gilmore to the Dallas Cowboys, which was a smart move. The Colts are not going to win now, dumping an aging veteran. I thought it made sense for them. But I looked at that cornerback room, and I go, oh, boy. They were really high on Isaiah Rogers Sr., yeah. right, who was a bit of an underrated breakout candidate for them last year, flew under the radar, was going to be the number one corner this year. Well, now there's an alleged gambling violation, and uh, it doesn't look good. Right From the details that have come out, there have been whispers, allegations that not only was he potentially betting, but maybe he was betting on his own team. Yeah. Right. Because then you start getting into the question of, you know, does a guy, does he try to throw a game to benefit his own pockets? Very serious allegations here. The league's going to take this very seriously. I'll be stunned if he plays football in 2023. Yeah, I think you're, if these allegations are proven true. You're you're looking at a Calvin Ridley level suspension that was his was like indefinite and then became a year. This could be worse because the number of bets be that were reportedly yeah. ba- uh, placed is way higher than Calvin. What Calvin Ridley was, you know, you know, got in trouble for. Doing. And I don't think was Ridley accused of betting on his own team. I don't think he. I, don't I even, can't remember. Yeah, now. I can't remember either. But uh, but in this case, uh, uh, Rogers is you remove him from this cornerback room, and oh boy, like you like Kenny Moore, still a very good player, a good nickel, but essentially a nickel only. I, I don't even know that they can move him to the outside. I mean, they, they would desperately like to, I imagine, based on the other options, but I think you probably keep him where he's comfortable in the nickel, and he's a good football player. You are looking at a very realistic possibility where they are starting two rookies on the outside, right? One of them being a guy you know I love, Julius Brents, who I believe they drafted in the second round, I think yep. it was. And you're looking at a senior bull standout, Darius Rush, who I was not very high on. Fifth rounder. I think they took him in the – he was a great tester at the combine, but, um, you know – this is what I do. Evaluation. I was not high on him. I wasn't. I think they took him in the fifth round. Fifth rounder, which yep. uh, was more in line with my evaluation. Because after the combine, after the Senior Bowl, there was a lot of second, third round chatter. I didn't agree with it. I thought he ended up where uh, you know I had him projected based on what I saw on film, which was a fifth round. There's not really anyone else in that room, and I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but it really is to me their biggest Achilles heel. I can't believe how bad it is. Yeah, you're talking about two guys. Baptism by fire, right? Trial by fire. It's a rough go in this league for rookie corners, man. These receivers are really good. They should go out. Honestly, I don't care if they're competing or not. Just to sort of protect these guys, they should go out and sign a veteran. And I've looked at the market. There are some decent guys out there, you know, injury prone. But William Jackson the third, Byron Murphy. There are a lot of, you know, 30, 31-year-old Kyle Fuller, I think, is still out there. They got to go out and get someone to save these rookie corners from having a bad time. Yeah, and if you look at the Colts' schedule, they open the year with back-to-back division games, taking on Trevor Lawrence and the Jags week one. Then they go to Houston, 
Overall, though, if you look at this schedule, it's not like they face a ton of elite quarterbacks. They don't play the Bills. They don't play the Chiefs. They don't play the Eagles. They do get Joe Burrow, but that's not till week 14. They got the Bucks on the schedule, the Panthers, another rookie, the, you know, uh, Los Angeles Rams, whoever their quarterback is. They do have to play Lamar Jackson. They get Vegas late in the year. Jimmy Garoppolo will probably be healthy by then. But overall, it's not the most difficult Maybe. schedule in terms of passing offenses. So it's maybe one thing you can kind of say, yes, there, there's concern over this cornerback position, but maybe they can get by. But even if they do, like, what is the ceiling for this Colts team with a rookie quarterback, a very raw rookie quarterback? I think you're looking at probably a third or fourth place finish in the AFC South here. Um, although I will say if Richardson can hit the ground running, even if he can't operate you know, from the pocket with his arm, although he did that in college. And, you know, a big knock on him yeah. was that he didn't have the experience, can't be a pocket passer, but he he was pretty good at it. Yep. He's got to get better with some accuracy issues and things like that, but it's not like he can't play from the pocket. My point is, if it takes him a second to, you know, adapt to the NFL offense that he has to run now, if he can make plays with his legs, it's not going to matter too much. He's going to be able to bail them out of a lot of situations. So I think you're going to see a team that's pretty competitive in most games. Still a lot of talent on this defense in DeForest Buckner, Shaq Leonard. We'll see if he's, uh, you know, what his health status is for this season. Um, Quiddy Pay was coming on last year, so we'll see what he can do. I think that this team is a team in flux you know, right now. Another team with a pretty wide range of outcomes, you know, which happens when you have an unknown rookie at quarterback. But if they can get a, a hot towards the end of the year, I could see them making a push to be competitive in 2024. Although I don't necessarily think they're going to be there this season. Yeah. I'll make a bold prediction. Um, fourth place. Okay. Last place in the AFC South. I think uh, there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of young guys playing on this football team. A lot of them. And I think it's just, you could still look to a bright future and you're right. Anthony Richardson is a bit of a wild card roll of dice. Maybe if he hits the ground running, things go well for them. But I think they're going to take their bumps and bruises this year. A lot of rookie players on both sides of the ball. You're talking about a, a quarterback. Bernard Raymond, a, essentially a redshirt guy, potentially at left tackle. Um, I talked about the corners. I, I, I think they're going to lose a lot of football games. Yeah, and you also have a rookie head coach in Shane Steichen. Who, uh, right. Great point. I don't know how I forgot that. And First year head coach as well. You also got Will Fries at right guard. You know, he, he played... A decent amount last year. He was in for over half the snaps, but barely over half the snaps. So he's stepping in to be a full-time starter now. 2021 seventh-round pick. So that's another question mark. There's plenty of question marks. And, yeah, again, I, I'm, the biggest one to me might be Shane Steichen. You know that he ran a great offense with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, but how much was Nick Sirianni, you know, in charge of that? And uh, it, you always wonder is if a good coordinator can make the transition to good head coach. So that's a big question mark as well. Let's move on and talk about the team that finished Fourth place in the AFC South. Nearly got the number one overall pick, but kind of, you know, I don't want to say screwed themselves because it was a phenomenal comeback win there with the fourth and 20 conversion and the two-point conversion to follow it to beat the Indianapolis Colts, who we we're just talking about. Um, shout out Lovey Smith. <laughs> shout out Lovey Smith, who was really sticking it to ownership there for the Texans. But they bring in another team, bringing in an entirely new coaching staff with D'Amico Ryans and a lot of guys he brought over from, you know, San Francisco and other connections he had in the league. This is going to be an interesting transition here. It almost reminds me of like the Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson with the Jaguars. Not that Lovey Smith was anywhere near Urban Meyer level bad, but just the entire vibes around the Texans last year felt like they didn't want to win games. Ownership didn't want them to win games. They hired Lovey Smith 
basically knowing that he was a one-year guy one year after hiring David Coley to be a one-year guy. So there was a lot of bad vibes around the Houston Texans last year. Now you fast forward, bring in D'Amico Ryans, one of the franchise's greatest players in the franchise history, comes in now to be the head coach, and another team with a rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, who by all reports, again, it's only helmets and shorts, but has looked phenomenal so far in OTAs with his command of the offense. So I think if you're a Texans fan, things are looking up. They have what feels like a bright future. Now, this is all projection. We don't know if D'Amico Ryans is going to be a great coach. He has the vibes to me of a guy that I feel like is going to be a great coach. We just don't know yet. We don't know if CJ Stroud is going to quickly acclimate or not. But I'm with you a second ago when you said the Colts finished fourth. I do think the Texans have a realistic shot to finish at worst third in this division. And they could be one of the teams that surprises people this year if things come together fast under Ryans. Yeah, there are obviously some parallels with the Colts, right? A first-year head coach in D'Amico Ryan's rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud. I, I don't know why, man, but I, I do feel a bit better about them than I do the Colts. I like what they're building. I'm really high on, on, on Ryan's potential as a head coach. I think he's going to be excellent. thought he had a, hired a really you know good offensive coordinator hire there with Bobby Slowick. Uh, coming over with him from San Francisco. I just get have a bit more confidence in their coaching staff than I do the Colts. But again, I get it, though. They're both first-year guys, so we'll find out a lot about them, right, this year. Uh, C.J. Stroud, I-, I liked him better than An- Anthony Richardson. I had him higher ranked. I think he's a more pro-ready quarterback. So I like his ability to hit the ground running uh, probably a bit more than I like Anthony Richardson's. With that said, he's still a rookie quarterback that'll take his bumps and bruises. Um, I like Damian Pierce a lot at running back. I'm a big fan of, of, of Pierce's running style. Also, I thought it was interesting. They added Devin Singletary mm-hmm. uh, in free agency. Seems like they want to go with a bit of a one-two punch, make sure they keep Pierce a little bit fresh. Um, receiving group is interesting, right? They added the tight end Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys. I thought that was a very interesting addition. Uh, a, a lot of question marks at receiver, no clear cut. Number one, of course, adding Robert Woods to be the veteran who the Titans cut. Don't have a ton of faith in him, but He's a guy that will mentor, you know, what does John Mechie look like? Uh, They drafted Tank Dell. Uh, Nico Collins, I think, is a very decent receiver. I think they added Noah Brown as well from the Cowboys, who had like 500 receiving yards last year. So there are a lot of names here, a lot of question marks. I I don't think it's going to be a great receiving core by any stretch, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's okay, right? I wouldn't be stunned if it's an okay receiving core. The offensive line... um, I like it better than what I what they have in Tennessee. Certainly, I agree. I I think I like it better than what they have in Indianapolis too. In all honesty, because Laramie Tunzil is the second best left tackle in football. He'd be number one if it wasn't for how damn freaking good Trent Williams is in San Francisco. <laughs> um, I like the right tackle a lot in Titus Howard. They traded for uh, Shaq. Was it Shaq? Who did they? It was Shaq? Shaq Mason. Shaq Mason, excuse me. Shaq Mason to come in there and be the right guard. Acquired him from Tampa Bay. I thought that was a great deal. The big question here, and if you got two weak links playing next to each other, it could derail the whole thing. Is, is Kenyon Green ready to take that next step at left guard? I was high on him coming out last year. Did not have a very good rookie year. Again, typical bumps and bruises. First year left guard going up against three techs. It's a hard knock life in this league, man. These three techs are long. They're quick. They're explosive. He had a rough go of it. You're looking at a rookie center starting next to him, a guy that a lot of people thought they reached on, uh, Juice Scruggs out of Penn State. I'll take a lot of pride in this, by the way. A lot of people were saying, who the heck is Juice Juice Scruggs when they drafted him in the second, was it 58 or 59th overall, something along those lines. I had an interview up with Juice Scruggs. I was proud (laughs) of myself for that. Uh, 
In fact, uh, I noticed a lot of people when they were, well, who is he? Well, go read this interview with him. It's the only thing I could find on him. A lot of, a lot of websites didn't have the pre-draft scouting reports on him. He was diamond in the rough. I liked him a lot. I didn't, you know, top 60 like him, but I did like him as like an underrated guy. I thought I told people a day before he might go top 100. I thought that 90 to 100 range was the spot he was going to go in. Good versatility, can play center guard. They're probably starting him at center. So him and Kenyon Green next to each other. I love the other three pieces, but that's the question mark for this whole line. Yeah, man, when you look at the defensive side of the ball, they added a lot of talent here. You know, Jerry Hughes, they signed uh, before last season, drafted, traded up to get Will Anderson Jr., the most, you know, one of the most dominant edge players of college football over the last, you know, decade plus. Brought Jimmy Ward over from San Francisco, knows D'Amico Ryans, and that defense can be a leader in the room. Derek Stingley taking another, you know, a step forward in his second year. Kind of expect a lot from him. And uh, I think this can be a lot better defense. It's sort of what the Titans did in terms of, like, adding guys that weren't necessarily starters but could be starters. Like, they, they signed Chase Vinovich, who was drafted by the Patriots last year with the Browns. Like, they added talent to this defense. I don't necessarily believe that they're all pro bowlers, but I think with D'Amico Ryan's in control, he's going to get the most out of this group. I don't know. I think the Texans could surprise people and, and finish as high as second in the AFC South this year. If, you know, things go wrong in Tennessee with injuries, if uh, Jacksonville takes a step back, Trevor Lawrence doesn't find that consistency we talked about, I think this team is going to be in a lot of games, going to be well-schemed defensively, Good offense that, you know, bring in that San Francisco-style offense over with Bobby Slowick, like you mentioned. Again, it's going to be about the rookie quarterback. How fast can he, you know, get up to speed and play at a, at a solid level for the NFL? I like C.J. Stroud a lot. You wonder about, you know, that that dumb test that track that he got like a 17 percentile score on or whatever. Um, but uh, this is going to be an interesting team to, to track this year because I think they're going to be one of those teams that if they don't start the year off very good, by the end of the season, they could be beating teams that they're quote-unquote not supposed to beat because I feel like they're going to improve over the course of the year. Uh, I've got a few more questions on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know that I'm as confident as you are, but I will you know, play devil's advocate even against myself and say I see a wide range of outcomes here for the defense because, I, 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 again, what D'Amico can do, I, I do love what he brings to the table. I love the decision to trade up for Will Anderson Jr., my number one ranked player in the draft uh, could be a double digit sack guy this year, but I look elsewhere. Okay. You know, Jerry Hughes opposite him still got some, does, how much juice has he got left? And I think it's the question I'm trying to ask you 35, 36. He was good last year, but every year, right. It's, it's another year on the belt. It's tough. Jonathan Grenard. I thought was a good football player. Wasn't healthy last year. Can he bounce back to try to help pair up with Anderson? Um, I thought they had some of the worst, linebacker and interior defensive tackle line play in the NFL. You know what? Not some of, they were the worst. That's why they ranked 32nd in rushing yards per game. That's why Derrick Henry ran for 250 on them <laughs> when they started Malik Willis and handed the ball off every single play and they still couldn't stop it. What all disrespect, Roy Lopez, Christian Harris, Kurt Henesh, I believe is the last name. They were some of the worst defenders in football last year. In all, They just were. The tape doesn't lie. It was bad. And that's why they were as bad as they were. Now, they've done some things to try to make those guys backups, right? They brought in Sheldon Rankins. Good run-stopping D-tackle. But these guys are one injury away from being your starting D-tackles again. Yeah, it's fair. Christian Harris still listed as a starter, even though I think they brought in Denzel Perriman. 
I can't remember. Was Christian Kirksey there last yeah, year? Yeah, he's been there a couple of years. So, yeah. So, they, so, yeah, so Perriman was the one new addition. Corey Littleton. Harris they still- signed Corey Littleton, who was a, That's a right. guy that played really well in Los Angeles and then wasn't so good. Where was he? Vegas last year, um, last couple of years. But a guy that, you know, or no, yeah, went to Vegas, wasn't so good, was in Carolina last year. And if he's a guy that D'Amico Ryans can get his hands on and say, let's play like you played in L.A., maybe he can be a guy that steps up too. That's what I mean. All my questions, though, are in that front seven. I love Will Anderson Jr. Who's going to partner him, right? That's a question I have. Uh, did, did they do enough at D-tackle to keep the weak links off the field? Chris, did they do enough at linebacker? I thought Christian Harris, again, had a rough go last year. I feel pretty good about the secondary, though, right? I thought Jalen Petrie was outstanding last year as a rookie safety. It was a bit of a roller coaster, but I thought he was very good. I like the Jimmy Ward signing. I like what they have at corner. Derek Stingley's got to get better. That was a sore spot last year. He wasn't good enough. And then you, you talk about them taking him before Sauce Gardner. Oh, God, did that hurt, right? So expectations are so high for him. He's got to be better. He was not good enough last year, Derek Stingley. But I like, uh, you know, Shaq Griffin, yep. Steven Nelson, Des King. So I think they're deep at corner. I think they're, they've got some good starting safeties. All my questions are in the front seven. I'll add, because I'm a draft nerd, I love this a rookie safety, Brandon Hill out of Pittsburgh. He was one of my deep, deep sleepers. Uh, you know, they got him super late in the draft. I hope he plays football because I really love him, and I think he's going to surprise a lot of people um, in this league. But a lot of questions in the front seven. I feel better about the secondary. All right, that is it for talking about each team. Before we get out of here, though, predict it. From four through one, give me your final standings. And I want you to go four first because I want to do the reveal thing. It was to go up, you know, worst to best. So who's finishing last, third, second, and then finally first? Justin, you first. I will go Colts fourth, as I said a few minutes ago. I guess I took some of the uh, <laughs> oomph out of that reveal. But uh, Colts fourth, Texans third. This is hard, man. Look, if Titans sign D-Hop, maybe I'll put on the two-tone glasses and say Titans won. But as currently constructed, and look, maybe by the time this episode releases, maybe they'll sign D-Hop. But as currently constructed, I still got to go Titans two, Jags one. Yeah, I'm actually with you there, but I'm going to put the Titans one for now just for the sake of being different, I guess. So we'll go Colts four, Texans three. Really close, though. Only a game or a game and a half behind number two for most of this. I feel like the Texans are going to be that team that's like they're still in the AFC South race, even if they're not in first or second for a long stretch of the year. But Texans third. Jaguars second and Titans uh, win the AFC South again under Mike Vrabel in what amounts to be Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry's last seasons in Tennessee. So that's my prediction there. Um, I think that's it. Uh, Anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Yeah, I think uh, last week I plugged the Peter Skaronsky article or you plugged it for me. (laughs) Uh, This week I'll plug it because uh, you might not know it. Um, I, I think it's so again, I'm on vacation right now as of this recording, but I believe it is scheduled for Monday the 19th. If you have listened to this podcast and it has not released yet on broadwaysportsmedia.com, you have my full permission. I want you to do me a favor uh, at Easton Freeze <laughs> on Twitter and, and complain to him because it's his fault if it hasn't released yet. I'm just going to come out and say it at Easton, complain to him nonstop, screenshot, whatever you got to do, complain to Easton because it's on him to get it out on time. Um, I spoke with Tajay Spears' running back coach. I had so much fun with him. And I love the headline I've got for the article. I'm a, you know, I'm a writer. At, this is what I do. I'm a writer at heart. I get cheesy. I get cliche. Tajay Spears was born to beat adversity. That's the headline of the article. We talk a lot about the knee. talk a lot about the ACL, the rumors about the ACL. We talk about the performance at Tulane. Did some questions nobody's asked that you don't have the answer to. Did you manage his workload during the week? 
What did practice look like? Why didn't he catch the football a lot at Tulane? Go look up his numbers at Tulane. He didn't catch the football a lot. Catching the ball a lot at OTAs. Why? I asked the running back coach Tripp, why wasn't he involved in your game plan catching the football? I thought I asked, you know, pat myself on the back, whatever. Thought I asked a lot of good questions. I thought Coach Sherman gave me even better answers to the questions I asked. This is my favorite one. I love the Peter Skaronsky one that dropped last week. Um, and I'm, well, look, I'm sorry, I'm not including the Liam Cohen, Will Levis tape breakdown because that, I mean, there's no competing with that. But um, from the written, and I got another one coming the week after, by the way. I'll plug it when the time comes. But the Tajay Spears one I thought was the best one of the of the rookie interview class, trying to get what other coaches. Uh, make sure you head over to Broadway and read it. And if you haven't read it yet, and that's because it hasn't published, complain to Easton Freeze on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. So get Easton's attention, but otherwise go read that piece right now on broadwaysportsmedia.com. That'll do it for this episode of the Music City Audible. We'll be back next week to find something to talk about in the middle of June, end of June, whatever it is. Um, Thanks for listening or watching. If you're on YouTube, if you're not on YouTube, go watch us on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash at Music City Audible Podcast. Trying to grow that YouTube page so you can really help us out by subscribing there so we can grow this show even more than we have in the past couple years. We're really thrilled with where we're at but we want to keep going because we can never get too big, right? That's a thing, right? We never want to be... Never get too big. Never be too big. All right. Never get too big. Anyway, follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. Follow me at Titans Film Room. We will be back next week, as I said. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway sports media production.